Have you heard the birds sing, the trees breathe, and the rain fall? The stories we tell ourselves are what create our reality. Hi, I'm Julia, your host, and you're listening to Terra Stories, the podcast that will awaken your mind to new perspectives, to reconnect to yourself, to nature, and to become an actor of change in tomorrow's world. Have you ever heard stories where rivers are sacred, healing, and creative? Well, let me tell you one. I was lucky enough to meet Tessel through our common work for the Wild Foundation. I was touched by her art and our shared passion for water. Tessel is a Dutch artist who was lulled by the sound of rivers, waterfalls and waves, who developed an admiration for the natural world, its shapes, colors and secrets. The secrets that fascinated her as a child, watching time go by through the movements of water, and that she began to unravel as she grew older, after numerous dips in the cold Swiss rivers. Why did it help her to clear her mind, think, and feel at home? Why is water an essential resource, both scientifically and spiritually? She continued to explore these secrets through some research and visiting different communities around the world, gaining insights about different ways in which people connect to water. And above all, transcribing them through her art, where the feminine has a special place within this resource. So let yourself be carried away by the gentle current of the inspiring word of Tesla. Okay, so thank you so much, Tesso, to be on Terra Stories. I'm very happy that you're here. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. You can maybe first try to introduce yourself, describe how you started doing the, this job. How did you start painting? Sure. So I am an artist. I am also a writer and uh, I work a lot on the relationship between humans and nature and their perception and their experience of life in their environment, how their inner worlds are in a way also reflected in the outer world and how this very much translates into a lot of the challenges we see in the, in the world today, in nature today. So that's something I work on a lot and I'm exploring actively in my work. And then in, in recent times, I've especially grown very interested in women and water in particular. The, the female lens has always been very important in all my art. I'm a very much of a, very much a figurative painter, so I paint a lot of feminine figures. Sometimes it's not very clear their gender, and I like that too, but the feminine is very important. And the style and color and shape, everything's very much informed and influenced by water. So yeah, that, that's, that's a little bit my work. How I started painting long time ago, I was really, really small. I was already drawing all the time. I was painting. I would be that kid like in kindergarten 
drawing out all my imaginary world, drawing all my friends, my family every day. Uh, and uh, I would be also very much a nature kid. My parents would take us out camping, like really like, you know, wild camping, you know, barefoot on the ground, washing yourself in the river, you know, cooking on a tiny little gas stove or on a fire. And uh, I, I love that. I love that connection to nature. And it was also one of my very first introductions into making art in nature and painting, really, if I'm being honest, because I drew always a lot. But the first time I painted was, in fact, on river stones. Believe it or not, I would um, collect stones near the river. And uh, those were my first canvas. And also I can see, it's sad for the listeners because they can see what I'm seeing, but I'm seeing a beautiful painting behind Tesso. And it's amazing because the color of the woman that I see behind is the same color of your sweatshirts. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes! You notice <laughs> your tones to your paintings. That's great. Seeing those beautiful figures behind you, those forms, those bodies, why did you decide through your paintings to represent human in nature bodies? So what I'm very interested in is how we look at ourselves, how we treat ourselves, the relationship we have with ourselves, and how this rhymes really with how we treat the natural world around us. So I like this idea of well, playing with perception, but also playing with boundaries. There are no boundaries when you really think about it with our bodies and natural bodies. Bodies of water, is, it's a very obvious one because we are made of water largely. And it's something that's very tangible almost in a way, like the exchange of water. But with all the elements in, in nature, you know, the, the boundaries are really almost like a social construct that doesn't quite exist. So in my art, it's for me really a way to kind of reimagine my own perception of that, reimagine worlds where those boundaries are really obsolete. And so the body and the environment kind of merge. And it's very often unclear in my artwork, you know, where the, the skin and the body of the figure ends and where the natural surrounding starts or when even another body depicted in the same artwork starts. And next to that, there's also really an, an environmental lens to it. I think the state of the world today, it really deserves our attention and our love and, and really also introspection. There's so many things that our generations are now, yeah, that there's really challenges we're now facing when it comes to nature and, and, the, and the environment. So it's a really important thing to think about. And for me personally, painting has been a way to kind of heal that relationship with nature around me. As I said, reimagine what I would like the world to also experience more. And I think a third lens to my work is the fact that there is somewhat of an overlap between the way the female body or non-male bodies, I guess. I think we should also definitely include, for example, trans bodies, etc. In, in, this, in this narrative is that you know, the way that body is used and perceived and looked at and controlled also in many ways around the world and, and where this also rhymes with the way we look, perceive and use bodies of water. Water is so important for life. It's so important that it flows freely. And there's also a big link between the feminine and water enough itself so that's also something i explore in my artworks and so there's a feminist lens to it as well what do we control how do we look at it how do we commodify something that actually 
should be inherently free and is so important to us all. It's beautiful how you, um, I was thinking how you managed to, through your arts, to really show that connection we have with nature through the colors you use, the forms. And I think arts is there for this. We, we tend to say, oh, we don't have to share too many positive things because there is negative in the world that people have to see. But we also have to see through arts what is beautiful and what is our link to nature, for example. In your opinion, what is our link to nature? Thank you for that question. Well, we are nature. I said it already a little bit and maybe I passed by the point too quickly because it's a huge one. It's not a metaphor. It's not something I try to be very symbolic in. We are nature. And I think this this time, and, and especially I'm from like very Western upbringing and I grew up here in the Netherlands and there's many cultures, especially indigenous cultures around the world who already know this, you know, they're so, so good at this and they're so much better than we are in this, but we are nature. We come from nature and this anthropocentric way of thinking, we should really kind of transform that and move that to more ecocentric thinking or system thinking in a way where we understand that we're part of a whole and that you cannot isolate and silo that, you know, like really we're not islands in that way. We're all connected uh, this time, you know, maybe by water, but in also in a general sense, we're connected. And so, yeah, so, so that, that would be my most direct answer to your, to your question. We are, we are nature. Yeah. Yeah. And that shows that when we tackle environmental issues, we have to tackle health and social issues because as you said we are part of nature so taking care of nature is taking care of ourselves do you have a story that maybe represents this link to nature that you you believe we have i don't know if you've ever read this book called siddhartha by herman hess in which the river is really depicted as a as a teacher and the river speaks a language and if you learn how to understand what the river is telling you that there's a profound message about life about time about existence in the water and in my own way maybe not in, in that amazing profound way as in the book but I've had experiences where the water is really a place for me to reset a place for me to come home or listen to what's going on within my system and one of the earliest memories I have as a kid, they're all related to rivers, to water, to creeks, and this fascination around, you know, my existence as a little creature and like staring at time passing by and the movement of the water. And yeah, I was, it was a very reflective moment always for me. In a few years back, I lived in Switzerland. I lived near a river and lived near the Rhone, a place called Jongsho, where two rivers merge. It's actually a beautiful point to live in Geneva. And uh, there was a time that every morning before work, I would, you know, wake up, go out. I had like this little water-resistant bag in which I would put a notebook or like one of my sketches or a book and a towel or whatever. And I would jump in the water and it was very, very cold, especially in springtime. It was just mountain water, you know, and you go into this beautiful water and a lot of currents, a lot of undercurrents there too. Um, super blue, transparent, turquoise, all the colors are there. And especially in the early mornings, there were only birds and sun. And that was it. Like I was the only human in the water. And uh, the water would be so cold that I could not think of anything. I just had to pay attention to my breathing and how my body felt. And I would just kind of drift away with the current and swim until the end of the river. And then I would get out of the water. My whole body would be 
burning and refreshed and I would walk back home and I think the water was really a place for me where I would reset and come home to myself and it would give me energy it would allow me to completely clear my mind and reflect so it was a profound moment of mindfulness for me to go into the water was my ritual I'm very grateful in a way and you know sometimes we don't talk about bodies of water as an entity but for me the, the river was really an entity I was grateful towards for giving me that every morning and I still look back with a lot of fondness of that river and I still paint about it even in my artworks it's a it's a really important place for me <laughs> it's amazing because when you were talking about this I was just like identifying myself to your story and I feel the same way about the sea I I was born next to the Mediterranean and I find the same peace as you were talking about and feeling when I'm in the water. And whenever I feel that I'm, I don't know what choice to make. And sometimes, you know, we, we think like, am I doing the right thing? And I'm just going to go into water and it's just going to help me figure out things. And when I go in water, I'm like, I know why I'm here. I also wonder if that's because we're women. I think the, the female body knows tides of its own. You know, I think we, we carry cycles in our bodies. And I, I wonder if that profound connection to water that I'm, I'm learning a lot of women around me actually have in one way or another. I think it's beautiful. We're starting to talk about that more. I, I wonder if that's really also connected to inherently how our bodies work and, and how we hold water and how we... Yeah, I can kind of sympathize with the cycles that water also knows, bodies of water, natural bodies of water. I loved what you said about women and, and water. Could you go maybe a bit deeper if you want to into what do you think is women's connection to water? Yes. So a while back, I did a lot of research on this, actually, also from a more academic point of view, not just for my art. There is a very direct link when it comes to water and who are the people that are often managing water as a resource in a lot of communities around the, around the world. This is very often women and girls. And also if there is, if there is certain events happening, disasters, or storms or flooding or pollution of water, it's also very often the women and girls who are impacted first and also the worst. They are definitely disproportionately affected by anything that revolves around water. They carry a huge responsibility on the one hand for water management and resources in their communities. And on the other, if there are certain decisions being made about that water, it's often beyond their, their involvement they are the ones that are impacted by it. So it's a, it's a huge human rights issue, actually. I think when we're talking about indigenous communities and our indigenous sisters around the world, they are often, you know, at the forefront of what's happening. And that's why it's so important that they are involved, actively involved in policymaking and big decisions that are being made in leadership, in conservation uh, programs that they are really, yeah, that they get that role and they get that voice when it comes to water. So there is that dimension. I think also more from perhaps a spiritual or a symbolic 
dimension. Uh, women and water are very much connected to each other. Our bodies, speaking as a woman myself, are somewhat of a vessel of life, of water. Our bodies know, like I said it before, they know tides, they know cycles, just like the ocean does. And the water is very often associated with this healing or this life-giving force, which is so the body of a mother. So, so there is like all these beautiful dimensions to, yeah, that inherent connection that women and water have. Sometimes not that positive. Sometimes really a place where we need a lot of improvement and transformation still. But the very fact that there is such an inherent connection for me is is incredibly interesting, and it makes me hopeful that. We're really in the good place to change it there also. And, and that's why I feel so confident about exploring this further in my art and in my conversations with people. I mentioned indigenous communities and our indigenous sisters. And that also because they have this, this, and I talked about it almost in a practical sense, but also, of course, from a cultural and spiritual sense for a lot of indigenous people and indigenous women that also means that they have this unique knowledge and unique practices related to water management and related to conservation and its protection and so that ecological traditional knowledge that has been passed down from generations and generations this is also very essential in maintaining the health and sustainability of our water resources for all of us, not also non-Indigenous people, non-Indigenous communities. So the fact that we're realizing this more and that women amongst women feel this solidarity with each other, I think that would be really beautiful if we, if we see that a lot more in the upcoming century where, you know, women work t together on this topic and work together for water protection Just because there's such a close connection, I'm hopeful that the strength of that movement is going to be even stronger and more efficient and more powerful. And so for me, it's definitely very motivational and also my personal research and in my art to explore this further, this role of women and water. You're a conservationist because behind your work, you're inspiring people to reconnect to nature, to act for nature. So what do you think of the role of creativity in nature conservation in helping tackle the climate and biodiversity crisis? Yes, yes. Alongside science, creativity has a huge role to play in conservation and in new ways of approaching our, our, our climate change crisis at the moment, uh, sustainability transformation. I earlier talked about this very anthropocentric way of looking at the world and the dynamics in the world. And we do sometimes really approach problems in a way that's very human-centric. That's not strange because nature in and of itself doesn't really have a problem. It's humans that are finding their way through all sorts of perceptions and also sometimes just ignorance. It's not always malintent, of course, but uh, we're finding our way a bit dealing with our environment and with that we create a lot of problems so it's it's very much something that's at the root within ourselves as humans and so that's a negative side of it but the positive side of it is that the superpower of humans is creativity we're very creative beings and so in that superpower i'm sure that there is also solutions and i think if we would tap into that creativity of ours and we would really Yeah, we would really tap into that creativity as a limitless space that can transform us, that can help create solutions, that can create not only new ways of looking at our natural environment, but also reconceptualize certain systems and dynamics that we have today 
whether it comes to businesses or the way we build houses or our food systems. I, I think it's it's just so large, that whole area in which we could incorporate creativity a lot more than we're doing now. And on top of that, I think creativity is is a language that speaks to people, all people. You don't have to be inherently very creative to be grasped by the language of creativity, either through music, through words, and visually speaking. It really talks to people on a heart level, not just the rationale. And with that, I feel you can bring about huge change and movements. People bring people together, make people understand and experience things that otherwise they would just hear. And yes, in theory, this makes sense. But how do you incorporate that into your life in practice? How do you feel it in your body? I think creativity can be a huge medicine for that as well. So yes, I'm a big advocate of creativity and, and change. I've read the book called Last Child in the Woods. Is saying that everyone is creative. It's not true that there are creative people and not creative people. And also it's amazing because your level of creativity depends on the amount of time you spent in nature when you were a child. I read another thing that was saying that being creative is not only be an artist as you are and painting beautiful paintings. It's also just finding ideas out of information that you have oh i like that it's very much about imagination isn't it i think that uh, I, i sometimes do this before painting sometimes i really make it into a ritual that i go to the forest near my home and in silence like not with music in my ears not being on my phone and leave everything at home if i can and then and just imagining sometimes what's happening around me and i love trees i think trees are amazing And even in winter time, you know, I like walking through the forest and I'm kind of imagining what's happening underneath the soil. There's this beautiful book called Finding the Mother Tree by Susan Simard, and you, you probably know it. And it really talks about the language of trees and how trees communicate, collaborate, support each other through this root system and mycelium system underground. And I always imagine when I walk through the forest, yeah, the world and language of trees and what's happening and how they're perceiving life. And like, it's just a completely different language than our own. And it feels very silent. And if you are not aware of it, you might just think that there's no language, there's nothing happening, but that's not true. So it's very much about imagination, reconnecting to nature, creativity, reimagining worlds, reimagining your own perception of them. I think it's all related Yeah, and just reconnecting with our inner child, because I think that we did this when we were young individuals. I remember I spent summers in the mountain and it was a whole world that now I cannot see, but I know that it was so beautiful and so complex and so magic, let's say. That's beautiful. Maybe maybe that's also what we all need to do in, on some level if we're talking about reconnecting to nature and like healing that relationship we have with our natural surroundings it's also about the relationship we hold with ourselves with our inner child that is full of wonder i remember when i was spending also winters in the mountains i was with my cousins so we had a house and there were some stalactites i don't know how you say it in english of ice ice when you're a kid you see that it's the most amazing thing you, you've ever seen. It's amazing. Oh, 
I love that you're saying this. I love that you're saying this. I had this too as a kid. And I thought they were like, I would always imagine they would be like diamonds or like, I, I thought this is so precious. This is gorgeous. <laughs> exactly. And I remember that I, we took one and with my cousin, we were saying that it was a big diamond and we had to protect it. And there were mean people that wanted to take it from us. So we spent, I remember the whole morning playing at this game. We made from basic natural things, some incredible. I love that you just said that. I love how you were just bringing me back to my early childhood. Talking about, you know, like something so temporary, you know, ice is going to melt. It's not going to be there forever. But how precious that can be for a child. It reminds me of a story I once heard. And I think I was maybe even in kindergarten. I was really, really small. But there was a teacher who told me a story about a man who kept saying to everyone around him that he was the richest man on earth. And that at some point, princes and like guards of, of kings would come to him. Where are all those riches? You're not allowed to have all those riches. Where are they? You would be like, yes, I have like mountains full of, you know, gold and pearls and diamonds. And I'll show, show them to you in the morning early. We'll meet at this in this field and, and I'll show you. And then they arrived in the early morning and the sun was rising. And he showed a field in the early morning. I think it must have been spring or winter time. And in the grass, there were all those little water dews. I think you call them dew. Like those little water drops on the grass. And he said, this is my field full of pearls. And then he took them to like the field where there was maize growing and grain. And because of this golden light, it looked like gold. And he was like, this is all my gold. And then there was a path full of like the first flowers of spring and purple and pink. He was like, these are my diamonds. Aren't they beautiful? And that like the royalty and the kings, they were standing there like, this this guy is nuts. <laughs> you know, we <laughs> We waste a lot of time on this guy. But imagine if you experience the natural world around you with that and see that so much richness and beauty and something to cherish. And we talked about indigenous cultures before. And I think a lot of cultures around the world like are a lot better at that. They do realize that the earth and everything she gives us is our biggest treasure. You know, it's, it's something to safeguard and, and steward and protect. But I think children, as you said, with the eyes, children are marvelous at that as well. They can really cherish every beautiful shell they find on the beach. And it's their biggest treasure because, yeah, it's still a different way of looking at the world. I agree. And that makes me want just to go out now <laughs> in nature and just like experience it like I experienced it. Could you share with us some tips to act if you have some? I think the first step is really to go out in nature, be in nature, commit to being in nature every day. You don't have to have a big, wild, natural area near your home. It can be in your garden, it can be in a local park or the beach if you have it nearby and immerse yourself in nature every day. Listen to the sounds of nature. There's a profound intelligence and beauty there that can bring you a lot if you're willing to listen and start there. I think it's important to make that connection first, to feel that connection in your body and in your soul before you start rationalizing your actions based upon that in order to contribute to a brighter future, a greener world. I think there's a lot to do and there's a lot to do together. 
taking our responsibility for what's happening in climate change, biodiversity crisis, pollution, etc. But you're nowhere without feeling that connection first, because then you are reminded what you're doing it for and that you're doing it for yourself also. What do you do to reconnect to nature? Like when you need to reconnect to nature? I think it's different for everyone. I recently found that taking really good care of my plants in my home and giving them space and like sometimes Like if I can, putting them together in the soil so they can kind of connect with each other in the soil and giving them space. Being with my hands in the in, in the earth it has helped me a lot. I think food, surprisingly, is, is a big one as well. Taking care of what you eat and enjoying the process of cooking with colorful vegetables and, and researching what's good for your body and making beautiful meals for yourself. I also really enjoy going back to my breath. I'm aware that my body is nature too. And breath is something that really takes me back to the very essence of yeah, who I am and my life force. So yoga, meditation, those are all really beautiful methods of doing that. Walking in the park near my home and when it gets a little bit warmer, which will be soon now here in the Netherlands, I will jump on my bike every day and I'll go to the beach, even if it's just for a walk, maybe for a cheeky swim if if uh, if I'm daring enough because it's still very cold over here. But definitely taking my shoes off and walking with my feet bare in the bare feet in the sand. And here comes my favorite question: What ancestor would you like to be, and what is the word you envision? I think that's also my favorite question. It's a tough one because when when you ask me that, I also feel. This beautiful responsibility of the future in a way. We are ancestors and sometimes we don't get that. We often talk about our ancestors. So for the last line of people, you know, and, and it really made me think when you ask. Yeah, it really makes me think when you ask me that now too. It's I think it's a matter of being an ancestor that is not expecting herself to be perfect. I, th I don't think anyone has to expect perfection and think, oh, I need to be this perfect ancestor, but one that's open to change and transformation. I would really like to be an ancestor that in her lifetime grew and learned so much and that the process of my transformation and learning would really be incentivizing or a seed for the pace in which future generations will continue to transform and change for the better. There's a lot of meters to be made when it comes to taking our responsibility and transforming. So, yes, that's one. I also would like to be remembered, I guess, as somebody that was full of wonder and art and creativity. I hope I give that to other people through my art. And, uh, and I hope the world and like how I kind of imagine the world of the future to look like is that it will be this beautiful green colorful haven of trees and wildflowers and clean free-flowing water and that uh, at least 50% if not more of our natural world is protected as wilderness that we respect it as wilderness and it's not ours to take or use that we may visit it and enjoy the richness of it and the beauty but that it has a life and a right to live on its own and uh, I guess a world where humans have learned that they're part of this system and that they are visitors and that they are incredibly lucky to be on this beautiful earth and uh, 
yeah, that, that we're part of it, that we have a home here for as long as we live, and that uh, we also need to leave it in a beautiful state when we depart from it. And my last note would be a world that knows more feminine leadership or more female voices in leadership and a place, a world that's inspiring to itself, but also to, again, future generations to come. So inspiring. Thank you so much, Tesso. I feel so much energized. I really feel peaceful. So thank you so much, Tesso. No, I would thank you, Julia. This was a really lovely conversation. I really enjoyed it as well. And uh, I think it's beautiful what you're doing. Really. Thank you. The podcast is coming to an end. Thank you so much for listening. You can find Terra Stories on Instagram at terrastories.studio and on LinkedIn. If you liked the episode, talk about it around you, share it with your friends. That's the thing that would give the biggest boost to the podcast. And don't hesitate to write me about the topics or personalities you'd like me to invite or address. I wish you a beautiful day or evening.